Today's uh, lesson is from the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament, chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This here, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Mike. Almost every sanctuary where, where Christians worship, you can find one. Some are made of beautifully finished wood and others of rough timber. Some are illuminated by the sun through stained glass windows and some are twisted iron. Some are polished brass. Some depict the body of the crucified Jesus and some are plain and unadorned. However, almost every sanctuary where Christians worship has at its focal point the cross of Christ. Just a quick lesson. That's why the pastor is not preaching from the middle of the sanctuary. The pastor is to one side, the choir is to the other, and our focal point is the cross. You know, there are other symbols that could have been used by the early church to represent who they were. The Bible, uh, the bread and the cup of Holy Communion, candles. The early church could have chosen various symbols to represent the body of Christ, but they chose the cross. All of the books of the New Testament point to the cross as the defining moment of Jesus' salvific um, <clears throat> work. Fifty-four times in the New Testament we hear about the cross and the meaning of the cross upon which one was to be crucified. So again, the early church chose, they made the conscious decision for the cross, that cruel image of crucifixion as the focal point of the church, its work, and their discipleship. Now, for us today, no matter how we've come to understand the cross um, and that Jesus' command for us to take up our cross, one thing we hold closely in our hearts that Jesus' death on the Roman cross was a redeeming work, a liberating work, a work of salvation. It was the work of salvation for you, it was for me, it was salvation for the world. <clears throat> the cross is not just an object to consider, though. Jesus made it perfectly clear to his disciples the, the cross was a, a participatory symbol of, of one's faith journey. In other words, for the disciples, the cross was tangible, it was real, and it was scary. The disciple Peter and his brother Andrew both were crucified. All but one of the disciples were put to death because of their faith. This is the cross to which Jesus was calling 
his disciples during that day. In this morning's scripture, Jesus had just asked the disciples who they thought he was. And this is where we get Peter's proclamation of faith that you are the Messiah. And following uh, Peter's statement of faith in Jesus as the Messiah, he began teaching them that he would undergo great suffering. He would be rejected by the elders and the scribes, the religious leaders of that time. He would be crucified, but that God would raise him on the third day. Jesus went to tell the disciples and those following him that if they were to remain faithful to him, they would have to enter into self-denial and take up their cross as they followed him. Now, Peter and the others did not really understand what Jesus was saying because suffering and rejection and cross-bearing was not what they signed up for. They were signing up for freedom and prestige and power and dominion over the oppression of the Roman government. They thought that they were going to be part of a movement that would reestablish the throne of their ancestor, King David. They had signed on for a crown, not a cross. Speaking of the cross during Jesus' day was not small talk. The followers of Jesus, even though they didn't understand maybe what he was saying, they understood what a cross was. Denying yourself, losing yourself, taking up your cross were some hard words for the disciples to hear from their Lord because the cross meant crucifixion. The cross was a symbol of Roman terror. The Romans put up crosses like billboards advertising Caesar's supremacy and the fate of anyone who dared challenge that supremacy. It was six years after the birth of Jesus that the Romans crucified 2,000 Galileans who had been insurrectionists. Crucifixion was considered one of the worst ways to die, not only because of the prolonged agony, but because of the humiliation of being public. It was punishment for slaves and political rebels. And these disciples understood exactly what was Jesus saying about the cross, and they didn't like it one bit. And my guess is neither do we. Because if we, if we think a little deeper about the cross than what we might wear around our necks, if we realize the significance of the cross we, we might hang on the walls of our home or like the crosses I have hanging in my office, we might be able to ask the important question, what does the cross mean for us today? Now to be sure, in the United States, most of us, we don't have to be concerned about our physical safety by following Jesus. This is not true for some other areas of our world where proclaiming faith in Christ could be, um, uh, be met with persecution or imprisonment or even death. So what does the cross-bearing mean for us who will probably, will never face crucifixion on the cross? Well, at the most basic level, taking up our cross means removing ourselves from the center of our own concerns. It means relinquishing any status and power that we might have to the will of God's good grace. And many of us may think, well, what power do I have? Well, we all have power at some level of entry. Cross-bearing means relinquishing our status, our reputation, in favor of loving God and in favor of service to others. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, the standard for discipleship is self-denial. The standard is taking up one's cross. But the thing about it is, herein lies the paradox. 
here is where Jesus takes the dominant values of society, both then and now, turns it upside down and says that when we take up our cross, when we deny ourselves as the center of our, our concerns, that is when we become more whole, we become more filled, we have the opportunity of it celebrating the joy of our, our salvation. Whenever I think about someone being the center of their own life, I'm reminded of the football player Terrell Owens. Now, I don't know Terrell Owens. He may be just a fine young man. But he was infamous, wasn't he, for his trademark saying. Terrell would get on television, he would say, I love me some me. Right? Well, Christians, we have our own trademark saying. I love me some God. I love me some neighbors. I even love me some people I don't want to love. This is the only way that we'll find the joy of our salvation. St. Augustine said it more poetically. He said, O Lord, our hearts are made for thee, and they shall be restless until they rest in thee. Resting in God, I believe, is the beginning of cross-bearing. I think we too often find ourselves not resting because... The meaning of taking up our cross has been culturally annexed. I think it's been misinterpreted and misunderstood. The cross of Jesus is not a burden. Okay, let me repeat it. It's not a burden. The cross is not an, an adversity of life that we may be experiencing. The old phrase, I guess this is my cross and I have to what? Well, that's not taking up the cross of Jesus. Now, to be sure, we all have burdens. We all have adversities. We all have troubles. And our God is just and merciful when we experience those. Just like the Israelites who God heard their cries when they were in Egypt and he responded to them. But taking up one's cross is not about our difficulties. Taking up our cross is how we live in the midst of our difficulties. Taking up our cross is even in the troubles of our living that we are to be God-focused, other focused bearing the cross of Christ is to live and to uh, love God period several years ago I had the privilege of teaching first year divinity students Christian spiritual formation and during the season of Lent one of the things I would have them experience was the stations of the cross we would we would go to the Duke Chapel and we would meditate and pray the 14 stations of Jesus carrying his cross to Golgotha and each of these stations, we would stop, and we would uh, read Scripture, and we would meditate and pray. When we arrived at Station 3, and we were reading the meditation, not with any arrogance, but if I'm going to be a teacher, I'm going to teach. So I told them that as I understood the Scripture, this is not about carrying your cross. The reading that gave me Paul said this, We are all burdened in mind and body illness and weariness the pace of our days the pressures of our responsibilities are the cross we have to carry Jesus speaks to us come to me all you who are laboring and are burdened and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light now the meditation itself was true to be sure Jesus invites us to bring our burdens to him to take his yoke upon us to walk with him in the journey but our burdens of mind and body the illness and weariness, the pace of our days, the pressure of our responsibilities are not the cross of Christ we are called to carry. 
The truth of the matter is, when we give Jesus our burdens, it is then that we're able to take up the cross of Jesus. Carrying the cross of Christ is to obey Jesus. And Jesus said, two commandments I give you. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. As an addendum, by the way, love your enemies. <clears throat> you see, as long as we're consumed by life's adversities, we'll always have that hole in our soul yearning to be, be filled with something that we hope will give us joy. St. Francis understood it when he prayed, Lord, it is in giving that we are given. It is in dying that we are given eternal life. Jesus said those who want to save their life in this save their life will lose it and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it now the good news in our gospel story today is not that the cross of Jesus is easy to bear because it's not loving God and loving others is hard work loving those who we think are just unlovable is not something that we get up out of bed in the morning and want to do is it I'm sure you have those people that's hard to love right isn't it amazing how quiet it gets when we talk like this? It takes courage to take up the cross of loving God with all that we are and loving our neighbors and our enemies. Here's the thing. Jesus knows that it's hard work. Jesus knows how imperfect we are in being his disciples. And the good news is that Jesus takes us and loves us in the midst of our imperfections. And Jesus takes our imperfections, our sins, and our burdens to him. And just as God transformed the cross from death to life, Christ can transform us when we take his cross upon us, that cross of loving others and loving God. When we begin turning our life's burdens over to God, we'll be able to discover what being a disciple of Jesus is about. When we give up to Jesus those things within us that are heavy, those things that when we carry them, it feels like we're knee-deep in mud, it's then that we come to realize that our only hope for, for healing and for hope, for peace, for wholeness, for salvation is in the grace of God and obeying our Lord to take up his cross. This is what I know. Jesus didn't come into the world to give us less death. He came to give us more life. Now, I'm going to repeat that so you can go home and think, what, was, what did he mean by that? Jesus didn't come into the world to give us less death. He came into the world to give us more life. In the Gospel of John, he talks about the abundant life he came to give us. Over 230 years ago, John Wesley, one of the founders of the Methodist movement, he offered a prayer about what it means to take up one's cross. And I'm going to offer it as an, an adaptation of it this morning for the closing to the message. And I pray that we embrace this prayer as a part of our Lenten journey, as a part of learning what it means to take up our cross. So let us pray. Loving God, I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to doing what you need me to do and place me in the presence of whom you will. Help me take up my cross. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you. 
Let me be celebrated for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and joyfully yield all things to your pleasure, O God. And now, O glorious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be accepted in heaven. Amen and amen. I invite you to...